Hello, beautiful. And what I really want to know is, what is good in your life today? I'm Kia, and this is the season two recap of the Female Veterans Podcast. Today, I'm really excited to review this season, and I have someone who is absolutely one of the most special people in my life with me today. You might remember her from the very first episode on which I had a guest of the podcast. Um, She's been my best friend for more years than I can count and has actually been incredible at helping me raise my two boys. And um, she's a fellow Navy shipmate of mine. And um, she has been in my life for more years than I care to share. I can't seem to get rid of her. So um, I want to thank Melanie for coming and participating to have this conversation about this season with me. Thank you for coming, Mel. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that intro. I feel special. (laughs) You are special. So um, what did you think about this season? This season was chock full of drama, suspense, tea, scalding tea, I might add, and (laughs) lots of educational world advice, to be honest, like world, legit world advice. Yeah. I love, I love the advice that we got. I love, I actually, we had great advice in season one and um, this season two was like the advice, just wow, really, really good stuff. And I want to thank all of my ladies, my veteran sisters for uh, their support and for coming through and being open and vulnerable and sharing their real stories. The Don't truth. forget the guys. This season brought us guys. <laughs> That's right. My Veterans Day uh, week celebration was boys. And I got a chance to interview guys Shouts for the first Lisa. time. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Seth Breeze was really an amazing guest. As, and so is Marcos Crow. Mm-hmm. two really cool guys that I got a chance to really get to know and um, share their stories because, well, we, we're girls and we have a unique experience, but a lot of times we have our brothers in arms mm-hmm. and we're so used to being around the guys that I thought it might be a nice to have some guys come through and share their story. Yes, they were really interesting. I appreciated um, their input. <laughs> they had um, some different viewpoints from the, uh, the guys' experience and the women that they had, you know, met along the way also. They mm-hmm. could give a little bit of in-depth into that or what have you. So, but we're jumping ahead a little bit. So, and um, I, because I honor women every day of my life, but especially here on the Female Veterans Podcast, um, I thought it was cool to to honor some of the fellas. I may do it again, but I, I like to empower women. So let's go back to the beginning and start with Angie's episode. Angie, that one. Wow. That's, that was deep. That was, that was, that was, yeah, that was a trigger. That was triggering. Yeah. I mean, Angie, she's an amazing human being. 
I titled this episode, um, Angie Goes From Fearing for Her Life to Wanting to Die because of her experiences while she served and after. You know, often we have a difficult transition out of the military when we come out. Whether we had a good experience in or not, it's just that change back to civilian life can be really hard. And um, Angie, her story was really striking to me because, first of all, I thought it was super cool that she was a helicopter mechanic. I know you did. When I heard her <laughs> say that. I knew. She's like, me too. Like, I'm going to drive helicopter. Yeah. yeah. you wanted to do. <laughs> My secret dream. <laughs> My secret dream to fly helicopters. Um, so, but I can't see, so that's probably... <laughs> Not gonna happen. Um, but she she was really cool and she was really open about her story and starting with the stalker. Now I I I know this is really naive, but I never even thought that that could happen in the military. Like it never occurred to me, I guess, that you could get a stalker. You could get a stalker anywhere, anytime. But when I was serving, stalking wasn't as big, right? It was just being talked about mm-hmm. and um, in the 90s. And um, I never, it never occurred to me that you could actually have a stalker. Stalking is, I guess, really, really serious. Not, I guess, I know it to be serious. Personally, I've never had a stalker. I'm just floored as to how this person can even consider anything after being shot in the face. Right. Like, I mean, how can anything besides my own face become an obsession? I just, I, I, I I just couldn't process that. But then there's the whole Florence Nightingale thingy that I can understand, you know, falling for your healthcare provider or the person that's, you know, taking care of you or Mm -hmm. what have you. But to the point of stalking, yeah, and becoming more and more aggressive over time. Like, he's there laying in his hospital bed, and she's the person coming and being nice and being a friend because they're friends, you know, prior. And then he all of a sudden starts becoming more and more aggressive to the point where he wanted to, like, he was threatening her life. She had to leave that base. Okay. She had to leave that base. That's good. That's, that's yeah. Scary. I will say that you know, it was really good of her superior to go, okay, where do you want to go? What base do you want to transfer to? Cause you're not safe here. Yeah. I had a little bit of, um, that experience with where would you like to go? And that, that feels good. Mm-hmm. You know, I really didn't have any idea at the time when it was presented to me and it wasn't for anything stalkery or anything like that. I just had an option and I was like, Oh, Duh. I really <laughs> did not know, you know what I mean? I know I did not want to be too far from my home, but just far enough. Mm-hmm. Happy, so I wasn't in Great Lakes, but then you go hospital. Yeah. I, um, I chose Great Lakes, so I ended up there. You know, I got that on my dream sheet, but, um, and I was there the whole time. So it never even, like, occurred to me to go it like I thought maybe I'd want to go to California. I thought maybe, um, or Florida, somewhere warm and different so I could see something else. But I mean, they weren't moving people. 
I guess maybe if I had a stalker and my life was in danger, <laughs> maybe they would have transferred me somewhere. Mm-hmm. But um, Angie, she then goes to a, a small base in Korea where there's like no women. And one of four. Yes. And then the thing that interested me too about it was that um, the base itself was in a hostile area. So you couldn't really leave the base. Mm. And you you had to take a bus an hour away to go anywhere cooler. So I mean more fun. <laughs> so <laughs> in Korea. <laughs> so she was basically like in a prison mm-hmm. with so many men, half of them hostile that a woman is there, and the other half like horny. Yes. Horny as fuck. You know what I mean? Trying to get after her at every turn to the point where she tries to report an officer who is trying to fraternize with her and nothing really happens. And it shows everyone on the base, I think, like, okay, this is happening, you know, because everyone's talking, you know, it's probably rumored of what happened. And so all the other men on that base see that nothing happens to this guy. What do you think that that teaches them? That's mm, direct result of what happens next. Yeah. The assault. Yeah. And then there's someone on watch that does nothing. This poor girl gets knocked unconscious. I mean, I don't know. Listen, listen to this. Listen to this. Um, you know, like I said, men either want to get in your pants or they act like they hated you. And, uh, and one time a sergeant an E6 um, busted into my room and uh, violently raped me. Oh my God! And knocked me unconscious. And uh, on the same level, there was a, you know, like a person's, you know, QC standing, you know, that watches and they didn't do anything. To see you coming out, they didn't do nothing. That was right a few doors down. And um, yeah, it was horrible. And I, I remember waking up the next day and my vagina hurt so bad I couldn't walk and I went and told my friend, my God. and I told an officer and then I told another friend. I ended up reporting it. And gee, I wonder what happened there. Nothing. Oh, and, instead of, and then this dude's wife comes from the States the next week and then everybody acts like nothing. And I, here I am, totally devastated. I felt so betrayed by my country, by my command. Um, everything was swept under the rug and that's when I started drinking really heavily and um, tried to take a bunch of pills and oh my god I was just going crazy yeah I mean my heart just breaks when I hear that and she was so candid I mean she did not hold back even a little bit I had to face his wife I mean he and his wife shows up the next week that poor woman right and you can't you want to say, you can't say, but you can't let her continue in that situation as a, a woman. You're like, your man is a rapist. Oh my God. Is vile. Your, your husband, I'm sorry, ma'am. What do you say? Ugh. Like, I'm sorry, ma'am. Your husband is vile. Where is Marishka Hargitay? I mean, that is really like SVU. It's, it's crazy. So, I mean, and then. And then, as we heard, she started drinking and and taking pills. And this is a behavior that she repeated a lot in her life. Like, even after she got out of the military, she um, 
she went, she would have these periods of up where she was like really doing all this work for veterans and doing all this great things, but then drinking and then feeling suicidal mm-hmm. as she was still trying to process that trauma, Self-medicating. you know? Yeah. Totally self-medicating. And, um, the thing about it is this episode, I really couldn't, I could never forget any of them really, but this one, it really strikes me because as we were talking, she literally remembered, she had a memory. She had like a, a flashback during the episode as we were talking and I watched it happen. Like I could see the look on her face and everything. And she recalled a gang rape that she walked in on and broke up with a bunch of the guys with her roommate and they hadn't been friends prior. You know, they didn't really talk or whatever, but she broke it up and they were a bunch of dr- drunk guys assaulting her roommate in the barracks room. I mean, and when she was telling me that, I, I, it was like hot and cold flashes, like chills went up my spine. And then as soon as those chills went through me, like the fire of rage, like just went through my whole body. It was sickening. Thinking about any of the women I knew, I couldn't imagine. Can you imagine that? Walking walking in on that. I mean, we, everybody would have got some though. I would have been throwing I would have, I, yeah, I would have, I would have caused a major scene. Yeah. I would have lost my shit. (laughs) I would have been the same. Like you, you're not the same after that. Like the poor girl that experienced it and, and having witnessed it. And then the girl didn't report it either. You know, she didn't report it because she saw what happened to Angie. Like what would be the point of that? right? That is unacceptable. Yeah. This is what has to change. Like women need to be able to be safe to report and not feel like it's just going to be a swept under the rug or a slap on the wrist, or they're going to be retaliated. Well, there's a blame the victim culture. That's Mm -hmm. just, it's not just military. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's group think it's world think. It's just women are really at the bottom of the barrel. And that's just unacceptable. No, we're that constantly is- fighting to get, to gain more ground, to get more respect and, and to change this. Yeah. But as you know, this is one of the reasons why I do this podcast, you know, it'll shine a light and let our voices be heard. Well, I appreciate you for it. Oh, well, thank you for coming today and sharing. I had no idea some of your these thoughts. stories because my experience was my experience in itself. And it wasn't, I mean, great and it wasn't terrible terrible like these experiences but it was pretty bad Mm -hmm. but i mean nothing to that degree i mean we all have our struggles who doesn't yeah absolutely i mean and that's why every story is important every story matters and so um one of my favorite things about doing this show is um besides helping women helping empower women i should say is the advice, the advice that they leave before Mm -hmm. the end of each episode. I asked Angie actually, um, about how she was doing, Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the episode. And, um, this is what she told me. And no matter how great of a person you are, how hard you work and stuff, life still happens and you still can fall. True story. So, how are you doing right now? I'm doing good. Okay, I'm maintaining. I mean, I got to the point where I was looking at assisted suicide. That's how low I was getting. Goodness, girl. Oh, don't ever do it. What did you do to stop yourself? 
I reached out and talked to people. Mm -hmm. Best advice ever. You need professional help. And I go, yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, it's easier to fall back in the old behaviors and old, you know, I have depression and all these things, you know. And when life really, really gets you, sometimes you relapse and stuff, but I always find a way to just get through it. I'm feeling my feelings, let it no matter how bad they feel, they're going to get better. They're going to work themselves out. Life is always going to get better. Every day is new. You always have a chance to, you know, look at things differently. And that's how I've been reframing my mind. It's like, I got to stop being on the muck and I got to be grateful for things. And I got to go into my toolbox again. And, Gotta reach out and talk to people, and man, there's a lot of people that'll help. You just gotta ask. Yeah. So, what do you think? Her tea was scalding, <laughs> scaldration. Totally. I appreciate the honesty, the candor. She was living her truth, and I'm here for it. Yeah, I mean, she was so honest. At the time of the interview, she was really having a struggle. And, um, and now I'm, I'm happy to see, I I keep in touch with all of my ladies, all of my veteran sisters from, and what I call the sisterhood of the female veterans podcast. And she's doing great now, you guys, she's like got this amazing job where she helps veterans. And I see her posting positive posts every day on Facebook. And of course she has a beautiful family and she's doing really well. And um, she's free of a relapse, so she's in the clear right now. And, of course, it's a daily struggle, but she's really doing well. That's Sisterhood of the Female Veterans Podcast. Such a movie. <laughs> You're so silly. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about the second episode. This one was really one of my favorite. This was Liz's mission. Is that the, the jewelry and the, the care packages? Yes. Oh, I love that. Operation one. Sparkle Stud. Oh, yeah. I want some of that jewelry. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, you could, you could totally, you could totally I do give that. someone that's deployed. Yeah, she works with Stella and Dot. And um, she's a stylist. She's a senior stylist, I should say, for Stella and Dot. And incidentally, she offers a discount for people in the female veterans podcast sisterhood and also free styling services. Yeah. So Am I in the sisterhood? you are my dear, you are. Yay! So I think it's 20% off actually. Mm-hmm. And so shout out to Liz for being so amazing. I want those sparkle. First of all, you have to understand this. Liz is an absolute ray of sunshine. When you talk to her, and get her energy, she just lights up everything around her. She's such a magnificent human being. And she was doing a promotion because she works with an organization called Full Circle Home, and they do care packages, gifts for the deployed and of the, the, well, their spouses. Mm-hmm. So, or family members that are important so, to them. So basically if, um, you were deploying and I was going to be, you know, had no family and you, I was me all alone on Christmas and you were deploying, you could contact them and request um, a gift package. And it's not just one gift. 
It's 12 days of gifts. Something different each day for the 12 days of Christmas will arrive for your significant other or your family member or your best friend who you're leaving behind who's going to be alone during the holidays. That's so sweet. Yes, it is really sweet. So um, I was so fun to talk to Liz because she had was so kind and you could tell that she really just wanted to help the the spouses. She has a lot of friends that are, are military spouses. And as you know, I believe the spouses and the children are the backbone of military service members of this armed forces, because they're the ones that have to hold it down at home while our active duty members are deployed. So um, what they do at Full Circle Home is every year they will work all year on making these gifts packages that they send out for 12 days. I'd like to contribute something. I don't have anything to go in that package. <laughs> well, um, if you want to contribute something, you just have to reach out to uh, Full Circle Home at fullcirclehome.org. And I'm sure that they would want to work with you and as they did want to work with her. And um, those earrings that she was sending were so cute and so lovely. And she was just the most amazing person. Yeah. When she was talking about her, her jewelry line, I envisioned that little pin mm-hmm. you, you bought for me. And I just, I got that. They were just, it was so sweet. Mm-hmm. And I envisioned that. And it's just, it sounded really sweet. I got a, a real Reese, Reese Witherspoon inspired <laughs> from that episode. And I was really, I was actually listening to it on my way to the gym. And it, it was making me happy. All right. So let's get into the next episode. Yay! These were the guys episodes, right? Yeah. And they both host their own podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Veterans Week specials. Yes. Those were exciting. They're a little different. I mean, I'm okay. I'm not like a a male chauvinist or a female chauvinist. <laughs> I like guys. I, I, yes. They have a story and they deserve to be heard. Mm-hmm. Let's give it a gander. Okay. Listen. Uh, listen. <laughs> we're, we're, not, we're not on YouTube yet, but stay tuned. It's coming. So, okay. The first guy I ever interviewed was Seth. Breeze. He was the host of the American Heritage Podcast, but it's recently gone through a rebrand. So it is the Veterans Advocate Podcast now. And this guy is so awesome. He is such a cool dude. He served in the Air Force um, for like 11 or 12 years. And um, the first like 11 years, he felt really isolated. And that's what struck me about his story. It was that he did not feel that sense of camaraderie that we all miss when we leave. He didn't really get that for like the first 11 years of his service. That is so sad. We're sitting here 30, 90, 100 years in the future. <laughs> right. From Still the, friends. What we, the, what we started and built the connection and then initially mm-hmm. from our military mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine. You know what he felt like was a major cause of that, too? It was cell phones. Cell phones? Who the heck has cell phones in the Navy? What in the world? Well, not when we were in, but everyone has them now. There wasn't even phones when we were in the Navy. <laughs> no, we had to yell out the window. <laughs> no! <laughs> 
again. H.N. Baker. <laughs> with a string. <laughs> so, um, no, it, seriously, though, I can't, like, it really made me think about how the dynamic would have changed if we had a cell phone, because you're always in your phone. And it's less likely that we would have been, you know, we had to walk over to the other barracks. We had to, like, be in each other's faces. You know, our friends were cute. They were. But everyone's cute when you're 20. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone. Oh, it's a couple people. So, okay, come we're on. Not, that last. <laughs> oh, the glow up is real for some folks. <laughs> so, but my point is, Seth was really, really cool and um, fun to talk to, which is why it's so odd that he didn't have a lot of camaraderie because he's cool peeps. Oh, but, big friend of the pod. Yeah, and his podcast is great. So if you, you, you feel like you like podcasts and you love veteran stuff, uh, check it out. It has a fun voice. Mm-hmm. He's cool. Um, I'm, and I will tell you this. At the end of this show, he talked to me about an organization that he is a part of called Passageways. He's on the board. Oh. And this is a, a not-for-profit organization that gets homeless veterans off the street. And when he found out that that was also my passion, he connected me me with the founders of this organization and I am actually leaving in just a couple of weeks to go meet them in person and join mm-hmm. forces with their organization as they commit to bringing female veterans off the street which they've been only working with men and now they want to work with women and that commitment to help get female veterans off the street drove me to want to be a part of their organization and connect with them and help in any way that I can. So I'm excited to go get the ball rolling on that. I like, see, I like this kid. Yeah. <laughs> I like this episode. I liked it. I like the fact he used words like shenanigans. That's a personal favorite of mine. Shenanigans. If you know me, tomfoolery, you know, swindling, bamboozlement. Those are my words. Nobody uses those words either. Hates me saying that. <laughs> so, okay. Copyright. so okay so seth was like he he struggled with people because of shenanigans and let's 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 take a listen to what he he was struggling with people when they're shenanigans (laughs) daily what he was talking about um what were some of the obstacles other than you know feeling isolated that you faced there was a lot of uh, shenanigans going on in my unit. So when I first got there, I was underneath the mentorship of a couple of older guys who'd been there for a while. And in my unit, some of these guys were, they were not good people, I'll say. And they liked to steal. <laughs> yeah, they liked to steal. And there were several OSI investigations that took place because of a theft. Uh, one guy may or may not, and this was never proven, have stolen all of the spare tires off the vehicle fleet uh, that I work in. <laughs> Why? Do well, hunt? If you steal enough of them, you can put them all on your car, you know, and you have four brand new wheels and tires. Right. And, uh, or you can sell them, you know, and make a lot of money. I mean, you can sell that for, you know, $1,500 on Craigslist or whatever. That is just hanging again if I ever heard <laughs> yeah. and, you know, and I just have <laughs> countless things like that. So for me, it was like, okay, one, I'm not going to get wrapped up in that. You know, that's just, it's not going to happen for me. 
two, you know, I'm definitely going to try to hold my head up high uh, when I'm surrounded by that 24 seven. Right. But it was uh, for a while there and for a good, probably four or five years, it was a competition to see who, like who could steal the most and get away with the most stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah and, it, and it was allowed because we had a very bad leader at the time. Uh-huh. And once he was gone, on then things started changing. But it, Okay, so <laughs> bad leadership is an un- understatement. They just allow that to happen. I think we need to redefine the terms of shenanigans. <laughs> that was beyond shenanigans. That was I, serious. Oh that was serious. And um and so, you know, it was hard for him, I think. But he managed to to, to do his his service and um he's an awesome guy and, and Fortunately, the last year he really was able to connect with people and to keep his integrity with all that around him and hold his head up high. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine. Yeah, it takes a special kind of strong person to not succumb. Yeah, yeah, to succumb to that kind of peer pressure and that kind of negative environment. I don't get it. No one's going to notice you have tank wheels on your shoes. <laughs> yeah, you know. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't understand i really don't i just yeah i don't know but um seth was cool i actually like this guy let's listen to the man himself let's listen to seth tell us about passageways oh that's a good idea that's awesome to me because you know the world war ii guys get the credit of being the greatest generation but i think you better watch out because you know our time's coming <laughs> yeah and that's so it's a lot mm-hmm. of fun Okay. But I also get to do a lot of giving back too, and one of the ways I do that is I'm with a nonprofit. It's called Passageways Ltd. here in Wichita, Kansas, and it's a homeless veterans transition facility. So that was started by a woman named Susan, and she was watching the news, and she saw that a local veteran had died from cold exposure underneath a bridge. Uh, and she was heartbroken, so she pulled around to kind of figure out, okay, what are we doing for homeless veterans in Ontario and it was nothing. So she's like, okay, well, and what I'm doing. So her and her daughter started this organization all by themselves, and they bought a house. And they just started taking in homeless veterans. But it's not just a homeless shelter. It's a rehabilitation, right? So it's not just a place to live. It's a new child of life. And that's why I love it. Because they put them in a house. They give them clothing and food. And they hook them up with the VA. Like they have the director's number at the VA. So if they're getting around from the VA, well, guess what? The director's getting a call. Everybody knows these ladies. Like, they're badass. Don't mess with them. If they need something from the VA, it's good with them because you're going to hear about it. And you don't want that. So, yeah. Uh, so they benefit rolling. They get them up for free health care. They have uh, Wichita State University donating psychological services. So you don't want to take these ladies because they have a director's number. So if you're not doing your job at the VA, I will the director's going to ball. He knows about the organization and he likes it and he supports it. So it's, uh, it's not just these two ladies, it's the entire community. You know, this, the city I live in, it's, it's 400,000 people roughly, suburbs, uh, and everybody is on board with this. So Catholic charities are donating food and clothing and food bank to get some food. Mario's pizza, some local plates. Every time I go to the towers there, it's like six, pretty six-inch pizzas on the kitchen table. 
And yeah, every single one of these guys, they gain 30 pounds when they come to the house. They get to eat steaks and barbecue and pizza. And every day, it's just some old ladies bringing over some kind of casserole or something. And these guys are living high life, but they're also getting help they need to get their life together. So they take goals into the house. Uh-huh. And maybe I want to live independently a year from now. So these guys set goals, and then that's the way it's helped them achieve those goals. And so far, 80 different guys have graduated through their program and gone on to no longer be homeless, hold jobs. They have new wives and girlfriends and houses and good jobs, and they're putting their kids through school and all this awesome stuff. And none of those 80 people who've graduated have gone back into homelessness. Wow. I am so moved. I saw something on the way here, actually, and it was a, a homeless veteran. The sign, it said, being a homeless veteran sucks. Anything will help me. Oh, my God. And it broke my heart because you couldn't, you didn't see the person. You just saw the sign and their, like, little cart or crash cart. No, they don't have a crash cart. It's a grocery cart, right? Mm-hmm. But I didn't see the veteran. I thought I saw a young man. I didn't it seemed like a like a, a child, and I I, I couldn't de- look directly at this child because they're looking at me like I know you read the sign, you know what I mean. But I couldn't process what the sign was saying and the fact that it was this young person. Yes, but I mean, think about it. That was us at nineteen years old going into the military, mm-hmm. and what if you had to get out after one year because you're injured? Then you're that kid. Then you're a 20-year-old who's a veteran and who's down on his luck and homeless. And another sign that said, we'll work for weed. <laughs> and I was like really salty. I didn't have anything. I didn't have any, any dollars, any, 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 uh, a J or anything to just yeah. throw there. And the thing is, I've, I've heard that they appreciate that too. Mm-hmm. And I just have, there's this one that Buffett and I see. Lee, Lucas is his son. And, um, he, he and I see them, and I tell him, I want to bring this lady a care package. And he's like, I want to come too, and I want to bring him. But I'm like, I don't know exactly what to give her. Because when I think of things to give her, it seems not enough. Wow. I, I want to put like a, a little like face wipe, body wipe, perfume, a lip gloss, a container, a heater, a lighter, you know what I mean? A shawl. Just because, you know, we have those things, Mm -hmm. you know, I can grab, 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 you know what I mean? And it just is so, I don't remember when I see her. Right. And it really breaks my heart. We need to do better than that. And Mm -hmm. especially for female veterans. I mean, they don't get the donations that the Mm -hmm. men do due to the prevailing perception that veterans are men. I mean, how many times have you gone somewhere and they thought like your boyfriend or your husband or the guy you were with was the veteran mm-hmm. uh, or even at the VA sometimes. And it's, it's just difficult for women and they don't get those donations and something as little as a lip gloss, you, you wouldn't believe it, but it could potentially save a life. Mm-hmm. It could give that woman that hope that she needs to get out of the worst place in her life and come off the streets and start rehabilitating her life. Mm-hmm. And um, and it is important, the work that they're doing. And I'm so honored that they're now able to start helping due to the, the laws of where they live. They can now start helping 
women because they couldn't put men and women in the same house and there were restrictions and stuff like that. But so did you hear he said 80 people? Mm-hmm. And that was when the episode premiered. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. 80 people, they have successful, mm-hmm. successfully transitioned back mm-hmm. into the world. Yes. And as a matter of fact, so a little update. After this episode, he did connect me with Susan and Jennifer, like I said, Mm -hmm. and um, we did an interview. And so that interview is coming up in the next season. So we'll get to hear more from them, the ladies themselves, Susan and Jennifer, about passageways, what they're doing, what they're doing now, because they've got big things in the works, Mm -hmm. and how you can help by donating to their organization. So as a matter of fact... I am creating a fundraiser for them that I will be putting on Facebook. Um, You can find me as Kia Baker on Facebook and you can go to my page, Hot Topics Live, which is another show that I do. It's a live stream show. It airs on 3.30 Eastern on Thursdays and we are doing a month to month charity. If you have a charity that you are, are you are passionate about, please message us on that page so that we can consider it. But we will be building fundraisers and also um, doing some matching of the funds that are raised up to $1,000 to a specific charity each and every month to do our part to help. And we are passionate about anxiety and depression and mental illness um, and as well as female veterans issues. So we're going to be doing that. Shouts to the millennials out there doing their thing. Yeah. I mean, he's a pretty young man. And yeah. he's thinking, you know, this deep and this far in this day mm-hmm. of the social media age. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm very, you know, very impressed. Big shouts to Seth. Yeah, he's he's amazing. And again, um, check out the Veteran Advocate. He's on Facebook under the same name. Join his community there. Support veterans. Um, he talks to entrepreneurs. He talks to more than just um, like older veterans or homeless veterans. He does talk to homeless veterans too. Um, but he talks to a lot of really interesting people and out in the communities and the veteran community as well. So check out his podcast and, um, follow him and he's amazing. And so, um, our next fella, (laughs) Marcos, Marcos Corral of free thinkers allowed podcast. Um, I'm down for free thinking. Yes. Okay. So Marcos, um, you may or may not know this about me, but I also coach at the London Real Academy. If you've ever heard of Brian Rose on YouTube and his amazing show, London Real, um, you may or may not know this, but he has created an academy where he teaches a lot of things. But most importantly, through the process of learning those things, it's a rapid inner transformation that occurs. And I am a facilitator of that. (laughs) Yes. I love it too. I love coaching. It is incredible. And I am right now thinking of how I can help bring those skills to my female veteran sisters. So something's coming. I don't know what yet, but once I figure it out, it'll be presented to you. Stay (laughs) Stay tuned for that. But, um, Marcos was actually one of my students that I coached. I did not know that. Yes. And he created this incredible podcast and um, he's such an awesome human being. 
So um, let's talk about um, smoking weed with pastors with Marcos Corral, host of Free Thinkers Aloud, which you can find on Instagram, on Facebook, and just follow him and um, check out what he's talking about. His podcast is all about being open-minded and spiritual, and he talks to all types of people with all types of religious beliefs, and and they just have real discussions about differences and likenesses and really cool stuff. So check that out, and we're going to talk about Marcos and what he had to say. So this next episode was by one of my favorite guys. He was in my group for Broadcast Yourself, one of my students that I coached to help him um, bring his vision for a podcast to life. And he is such a cool dude. This dude like shoots guns, rides motorcycles. He does stand-up comedy. He plays music. I mean, he's really spiritual. He's really religious, actually. He's but- the anomaly of the pod. <laughs> I mean, the anomaly. He's the one with the smooth transition, correct? Yes, yes. He actually had a transition out of the military that was really, really easy. And I... I Rarely, if ever, have heard a story like that. And um, yeah, he's such a cool dude. And I cannot wait to hear more of his podcast. So if you want to hear it, it's called Free Thinkers Allowed. And it's about conversations on spirituality with really cool people. He's so open minded for someone who's so deeply religious that I found that kind of profound. Mm -hmm. And um, the part where he was talking about how he smoked weed with pastors was just my, I couldn't even get my mind around that. Smoking weed, pastors, minds, expansion, that does not usually go in the same sentence. I'm just, (laughs) just going off personal experience. You know, I just, different different that's different person marcos corral yeah so um but his experience was pretty unique he started out to want to be a seal and then that didn't happen so he ended up on a ship just because of timing you know and um and then he went through his experience he had like he met his wife and all of this and his skills i didn't have the experience where my skills translated out into the civilian world but his did well, you did. They just, at the time, it just wasn't doing that. They weren't accepting. Well, I mean, so in the Navy, as a pharmacy technician, I had the same privileges as a pharmacist. Mm-hmm. But if you take that same job in the civilian world, a technician has like no privileges um, in the pharmacy. You're like mixing baby, you know, like amoxicillin, like baby medications. That's pretty much it. Like, um, and in the Navy and in the military, I should say in the pharmacy, I did everything. I counted narcotics. I dispensed meds. I counseled patients. It was like a complete demotion. And in order to do the same job, I would have had to go to school and get, you know, my pharmacy degree. And I thought it was a waste of money. Mm, so yes. that's what made my tra- tra- my transition out. I did not want to go to school to do something that I already had been doing for three years. Mm-hmm. Didn't make sense to me. Um, probably would have made my life a little easier if I had done that, but it obviously wasn't my path. Mm. But Marcos, he was really lucky. He found a company that 
was able to help him get a job right away. And he talks about it a bit. We're going to hear that in a second. But what I wanted to say was anyone that has skills in this kind of field, leaving the military, or if you know someone, this is a company that you might want to check out because this enabled him to leave the military and slide right into work and into a position where he was appreciated. And us old school vets, know what it's like to go out into the civilian world and not be appreciated for the fact that you're a veteran. Maybe even some newer veterans feel like that too, but I'm talking about a time where you couldn't even have being a veteran on your resume or you couldn't get a job. Oh my goodness. Yeah. What's the name of the company? What is it? Or Here, in international? Yeah, I think or- that's what he said. Let's let actually let's hear it in Marcos's own words. Yeah, uh, when I got out, um, there's this company, uh, I forget what the, I think it's called Orion, Orion International. Uh And as far as if you have any type of technical uh, skill that you did in the military, what they do is basically they're just a headhunter for for technical military people. In my case, I was an electrician. So what they do is they take your resume, they say, they deal specifically with military. So they will submit your resume. They do all the footwork for you. And they're basically your liaison to companies, to huge companies. So my first job that I landed was actually with GE. Wow. And um, yeah, so I went to one other interview and they were looking for like a more mechanical guy. But then I went to GE and my interview was with this lady. She called me. I didn't even know what they wanted. <laughs> so it was like, oh, yeah, we're going to have her call you or whatever. So she calls me and she's like, hey, you know, this is the type of work we do. I was like, so you guys are familiar. You want somebody familiar with like preface? And I was like, the most worst interview ever. And then like at the end of the phone call, she was like, so, yeah, you like you want the job? I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I didn't even realize this was like an official interview. Oh, but um, but yeah, so I ended up getting that. They gave me the training for it. And um, I started up. Um, installing CAT scan machines. So I was doing that for a little while. And I shifted over the department from GE Healthcare to um, Power Quality. And I- so you can see that he really got a great opportunity. I mean, GE, what a company to get your foot in the door. Yeah. GE. Yeah. And he went to different departments and stuff. And he was able to travel. He talked about even more in the episode. So um, this episode I love because uh, he's just so cool. He's such Mm -hmm. a cool dude. Mm -hmm. And he was an anomaly. Like you said, he had a really smooth transition back into civilian life. And um, he has a really great podcast too. To be able to hold on to his spirituality and to be able to confer in how would you say congregate and talk to all these different religious backgrounds and be able to come together and find, how would you say commonalities and just be open just, just to even hear what they have to say. Mm -hmm. I think is pretty amazing. Yeah. I think that's really cool too. That's the, that's why I love his podcast a lot. And, um, And another thing that he was saying about his transition out and was really great advice was find a community. And so the church Mm. was like a community for him after he got out where for me, you know, I felt like um, coming out, people were different, especially in corporate. 
like people were different. They spoke differently. They behaved differently. Mm -hmm. There wasn't the same like camaraderie and brotherhood, sisterhood connection that I had felt while I was in. And so I really didn't like it. But what he did was he, even though he had a great job and he was working in his field, he went through the church and he had that community as sort of like a support group that also helped buffer his transition out of the military. So his advice was really solid when he said, you know, find a community that will support you. You know, I loved that. Me too. Yeah. So that is um, my second male interview I've ever done um, for the female veterans podcast. Who knows if I'll ever do any more. That might be the only time I interview guys. I don't know. That was enough. <laughs> back to us. Back to back to the back ladies. To what matters? What, what should we call? Should we call? What should we call ourselves as female veterans? I was coming up with a version of fembot, but fembets. That's whack. <laughs> I keep thinking about it. Okay, I'll if, come up with. Something. If anybody has ideas, we're open to hear them. <laughs> so, I'm partial uh, to fembots. Fem, fembots. I, I think that's something entirely different. I think somebody has that name already. So the next episode was. Um, oh my gosh, the next episode is Lauren. Hippie vet, hippie veteran. Yeah, yeah. So Lauren is from a hippie and a veteran, and she is really knowledgeable about PTSD. She has a lot of really strong beliefs about passionate, super passionate Mm -hmm. about PTSD. And she believes that it's really nerve damage. Mm -hmm. Right. And she takes an alternative treatment for that, that she spoke all about in the podcast, but it's a strong argument. It's a very strong, very strong case. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just, I believe what she says. It just, Mm -hmm. the way she delivers it, her knowledge, what she's done, her experience. I, I buy it for one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she was um, constantly being shelled, mm. you know, during her deployment, as many, many ladies have, have experienced, you know, because we are always having these wars. And, um, and being in that state of um, high adrenaline, like that high anxiety state, mm-hmm. but having to do your job. Like you're constantly afraid that you can die any second. Right. But you, but you still have to get up and, you know, get ready for work and go to work and do your job and function like a normal person. And I think somehow that's what causes PTSD. You know, I'm pretty positive. The environment had Mm -hmm. attributed a lot to it because on a small degree, I watched you go through it Mm -hmm. and it's just, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, no one was throwing shells at, at your 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 bunk and mm-hmm. things like that. But I mean, the stress alone of everything on the base mm-hmm. was just, I mean, outlandish. That's a whole nother topic about how you get PTSD during peacetime. We mm-hmm. could, I mean, I, I'm sure that I'm not the only one, but there are, I've talked to many other veterans who served during the time that I served that have PTSD. And we're like, how do we get PTSD? <laughs> like we weren't getting shot at, we weren't, you know. But it, but it XO killed himself. That in itself, <laughs> I know. I is know. Just so sad. I mean, it tells you something. Mm-hmm. It really does. So, and and for those of you who don't know, Melanie and I were stationed at Naval Hospital Great Lakes in the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. So you can um, you can understand that 
that base was one of the strictest bases, if not the strictest base, because it was the Naval Training Command. And they just shut down all the other training facilities, and it was the only one. So it's a high-priority target um, for our for our enemies, quote-unquote. So um, it was a very, very uh, strict base for us. It was hard to live there, but we made it work. Um, and anyways, yes, that's so together before social media, before mm-hmm. the rise of full on internet, where we had to be taught face to face, talk mm-hmm. to each other, figure mm-hmm. things out where we had, we hugged, we laughed, we cried, you know, we mm-hmm. had each other. Yeah. And we had each other's backs. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think that sometimes like, you know, like in the episode with Seth Breeze from the, um, the Veterans Advocate um, podcast, it used to be American Heritage, rebranded recently. Um, he said, you know, he felt that, you know, social media and phones made it more isolating. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, like we talked about before, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I just think I could see, I could, should say, how that could be. Because, I mean, I'm on my phone a lot. And I remember when we didn't have phones Mm -hmm. and we were just constantly congregating and hanging out. And that's all you, I mean, everyone would be in that little lounge (laughs) with the TV and the barracks hanging out. I was like, what? That's That's what we found out about Tupac. Yes. Right. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And Biggie Smalls. Yes. And so can you imagine that like nowadays, everybody, if, if anyone's in there, they're probably on their phone. Oh my goodness, just what happened last week. I mean, everyone mm-hmm. and their mom had to post about the, the Bryants and their incident. Mm-hmm. And it just was really, it got to the point of annoyance to me. I'm mm-hmm. all like, I know, I know, I know I'm trying to process it, but it's like everybody and their mom has to post about this. Yeah. And it's like, goodness gracious. I didn't post about it because. Oh, I thank you. Yeah. Well, I didn't because I felt like that was a woman's private suffering Mm -hmm. and I'm not a huge basketball fan, nor am I a huge Kobe Bryant fan. I mean, he's a cool person. I like a lot of his motivational speaking from a different time. Um, But I was, you know, I was not attached to any sort of like fandom. Mm -hmm. So for me, I was sad for a woman who lost her husband and her baby. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and that's that nice yeah, on the same, there. same day. And there were other children that died. And I felt like people die. People are murdered. People are killed every single day. And all of those lives matter. So, um, but yes, it was shocking to hear that such a famous person who was so beloved by many people died so tragically. And so suddenly I get that, but, um, I didn't post about it. I felt more for the younger generation because I'm from where MJ and and magic that was and and Shaq and Kobe were just coming up Mm -hmm. and for the younger people, they, it just hit them really. Yeah, because he's a legend for them. But so that's our, um, I guess that's us paying our respects to Kobe (laughs) and his family. Um, Much love to Vanessa. Yes. Um, So that's that. But back to Lauren, she was such a delight to interview and I can't wait to have her back. She's coming back Mm -hmm. and we're going to talk more, but um, she is a really incredible artist she is a really incredible mother and person, and I love her. I just love um, talking to her and just hearing what she has to say. So I can't wait to have her come back. Her work, it's actually on display, the Cultural Alliance in Long Beach, California. 
Yes, she had some work on display there. And um, she does lots of of photography exhibits. So if you follow her on Instagram, you can catch up with the latest. Mm -hmm. And um, as always, if you go to the episode description, so you scroll down, I place all the links and all the social media information for everybody in there. So you can find their information easier. So um, let's hear a little bit about what Lauren has to say about PTSD. We sign up to be conditioned, mm-hmm. but we don't all sign up to, to be screwed up when we come home. Mm-hmm. And we don't think about that aspect of it. Not at all. And you think that, oh, it's the weak people that get PTSD. It's the weak people that got shell shock. It's the weak people that have problems. No, it's not at all. It's some really, really strong motherfuckers that are dealing with some extremely bad damage, most likely. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actual treatments out there that are not the number one go-to right now. Um, in psych- I guess in psychology or at any of the VAs right now due to studies that we have been on, unfortunately. But there's actual real treatments out there that are useful. I mean, um, cannabis clearly is helpful. Um, with that. 100%. You have your, if you're having nightmares, for one, um, smoking pot helps you to not dream as much sometimes. So literally it can help stop your nightmares and help give you a good night's rest. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to have a hangover. You're not going to be unfunctional. You're not going to be unable to do all the same things you were able to do all day long. Like mm-hmm. if you didn't get to do. Um, I mean, and nowadays the way the industry works for cannabis is it's, kind of like a pharmacy so you can i mean any symptom that you're having you just go to your little cannabis pharmacist and they will explain to you what you know how and what and when to take it just uphill and and you can find a remedy for pretty much anything and then the more your body acclimates to it you know it's more you feel better you're completely highly functional, maybe even more functional than you were prior. It's just a really good alternative therapy to being polluted by the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, trazodone, Ambien, all these things that give you horribly, like, bad hangovers in the morning. Like, I don't like feeling like shit when I wake up. I want to wake up and be energetic. I'm also a morning person. I, I always have been. So the army got lucky thing. <laughs> like, I'll get up. I don't care. But these medicines completely make you a, a bump on a log. If something did happen in the middle of the night, do you think I would have ever been a, a successful adult trying to like get through? There was a fire in the house or some type of an emergency. Mm-hmm. If I Razadone or Ambien, I would have been high out of my mind. Mm-hmm. And, and like, to me, that's just not safe versus Smoking a little bit of dope. Oh, poor bad evil reefer man. I can't right. smoke that. Take the stuff that literally lays me out harder than I need to be. Like, I just want a little bit of rest. Um, that sleep meds and all that other poison that they're dishing at the VA is not. I know they make a lot of people mean well, but unfortunately, they're wrong and they were misinformed. But we need to. Yeah. I actually had forgotten about her advice to the Elm Street children. Now, if they had just smoked the J with Fred Krueger, 
Bing, bang, boom, we're done. <laughs> Shit, are you talking about Nightmare on Elm Street? She said that the, and I quote, a little dope will help, could help you with nightmares. The and- story writes itself. <laughs> Robert England, are you listening? Oh, my God. The story writes itself. I don't know why I continue to hang around with you. <laughs> um, so, yes. I really feel like she's onto something there. Mm-hmm. I do feel like, I mean, at least in some people, that there could be a connection between nerve damage and PTSD. And um, she's definitely a resource. She's well-researched. I mean, you, you don't understand this woman takes her time and she does a lot of research and she's participating in a study that the VA is doing right mm-hmm. now. Um, so yeah, I, I loved that episode. She's her own experiment. Yeah, actually, I mean, you know someone is serious when they're willing to experiment on their own body. Mm-hmm. They're like a human test subject, but and then they can report that it works. She doesn't have pain. And I mean, it doesn't last long, um, the serganglion block. It's like a, two forms of lidocaine that they inject into a nerve mm-hmm. in your neck, and it numbs the pain. And anyone who lives in pain, I live in constant pain, okay, with fibromyalgia near constant pain. Some episodes are worse than others. And if you live with chronic pain, you fully understand that those moments of relief or your memory of the last time you felt relief, how important it is. And so, yeah, yeah. To be pain-free is such a gift. (gasps) I can't imagine that being pain-free from chronic pain, but not nerve paid anything to that degree. I couldn't imagine. Mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine. Yeah. So that episode with Lauren um, was really good. And I wish we had a better connection. Sometimes when you're doing this, the connection is kind of choppy. So I wish we had had a better connection from where she was at. But absolutely, we're going to bring her back. She was traveling. A deep friend of the pod. So we'll bring back Miss Lauren, the hippie veteran. Yes, absolutely. And, um, so the next episode was um, a military sexual trauma and two mass shootings. That was Miss Callie. And Callie, let me tell you something. She is like the loveliest person. I mean, she's awesome. Yeah, she's really cool. She's really cool. And she actually recently, because I, I keep in touch with all my girls, all my veteran sisters that I interview on the podcast. And um, she recently moved to Washington State where I live. And so I'm excited to get to connect with her and get to hang out. But she felt like she just needed to leave Texas because, I mean, why not? She was just in the Walmart mass shooting with her four-year-old son. I, I couldn't. I, how do you recover from something, your four-year-old? It's, it's with you? That's one thing. But your, your four-year-old, that's mm-hmm. a whole different level of anger, frustration, helplessness, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know, I, I, Mm -hmm. I can't even get into it. Yeah. She tells the story a bit on the podcast, but the the thing that you don't know is when I first reached out to Kali, it was just after it happened and it was so fresh. It was like days after it happened. And I, I had no way of knowing that. Um, and it was just a coincidence And it took a a while for us to get the interview because she really had to take, like she was still in shock when we had our conversation on the phone. I could feel it. Well, it was her second one. Yes. So (laughs) first of all, nearly 10 years to the, to the day or the month, 
She was in the Fort Hood mass shooting. And imagine that that's one of our own. That was one of our own, a veteran who did that. So can you imagine what that did psychologically? That's like a a mental mind fuck in and of itself right there. It's just, I can't even believe it. So, and, and everything that was going on with her there, she had just had a loss and, you know, she just had so much going on in her life at the time. The reason why she was at Fort Hood, you know, and she was dealing with grieving and she was dealing with all these things and happened to be there on that day to handle details. Mm -hmm. And so either she, she's got the worst luck in the world or she's the luckiest person in the world. I feel like it's the latter because Mm -hmm. it's so rare to be in two mass shootings, but she survived them both, Mm -hmm. you know? And then before either of those, she survived a military sexual trauma and continued to serve her country. All of that pales in comparison to what was happening in her home. Oh my God. So then she marries again and she has daughters and beautiful girls, beautiful daughters. And then she discovers her partner has inappropriate images on his computer and not exactly of it's complicated. It's a complicated tale. I don't know how much of it I should get into, but maybe we should leave it at that. Mm. It wasn't exactly her daughters, but their image was involved. We'll leave it at that. And she has been fighting to get him out of her life and to see that he faces justice for what he did and to protect her children with everything she has. I mean, with everything she has. And you can find more details about her story in the notes of the show, of this episode, um, A Military Sexual Trauma and Two Mass Shootings. And her story was covered by the media, all of these things. And I just, as soon as I found out about it, I just knew that I had to have her on the podcast to show support in Mm -hmm. some way, because this woman, she is absolutely, I mean, she's so sweet. She's a small Mm -hmm. town girl from like the kind of town with like one street light, just a small town girl, sing it. (laughs) (laughs) And she, she joined the military in order to get experience with life, to meet all kinds of people. She wanted to grow essentially. And yes, she got that experience, but at the same time, like she was violated by someone in the military. And then at the Fort Hood shooting under attack by a veteran brother. So really what she's had to go through to deal with both of those things is just is is just beyond me. And she's such a strong, incredible woman. And one of my favorite things about the episode was the advice she left. So let's hear from her. Yeah, let's listen. Just don't quit. I know I've said that so many times. Um, uh, my really, really, really um, dear person that was killed in action 
his unit is 160 of night stalkers. Their, their motto is night stalkers don't quit. And that's something that I've always kept with me. Um, regardless of what's going on, regardless of what you're facing and what you know, tomorrow might look like, you just don't quit. There's not an option in that. Um, and like I said, if you have to take it down to let's deal with this one minute at a time, and work our way up to maybe five minutes and ten minutes the next day and the next week. That's fine. Whatever you have to do to get through that um, experience, that's what you got to do. So just don't quit. That's all. Yeah. So just don't quit. Just don't quit. Mm-hmm. That's some of my favorite advice, especially when you look at, you know, the rising amount of female veteran suicides that we're faced with Mm -hmm. and the rising amount of female veterans that are on the streets, you know, I mean, just don't quit. Just don't give up. Just keep fighting to get back to life, to live life. Talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. I, I, I agree with that. And Callie was an incredible guest. She's an incredible human being the whole time. So the whole time, you know, her four-year-old was um, nearby playing and um, every now and again, he would come and, and interrupt the interview. And she was so cute. She'd be always be like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, I have a four-year-old too. And actually he was doing quite well, like just playing by himself and, and staying quiet, you know, but I mean, he's four, he's going to come and, and, you know, wanted mommy's attention. So it was, it was really cool. And I love, I mean, I'm a mom. I interview women. Chances are many of us are going to be moms. Chances are you're going to hear children in the background, maybe dogs barking sometimes. <laughs> like that is just, it, cause this is raw and real. So, I mean, that's one of actually was one of my favorite things about that show was when her baby would come and get her attention. I loved that. So um, shout out to Callie and her baby who survived the Walmart mass shooting in El Paso, her four-year-old that you could hear maybe a little bit in the <laughs> background of that episode. So, um, so the next episode was military shit hotness with my bestie, my other bestie, Leanne. <laughs> she- now, I have to be honest. I cannot be biased in this episode uh, or maybe i don't know maybe i'm not understanding what bias means but leanne's is my favorite because (laughs) of yes she's awesome yes she's smart yes she's wonderful and she is be all do all but she's also my friend yeah (laughs) (laughs) that was super super sweet almost too sweet i don't even know no actually i get it this (laughs) going to edit that out. <laughs> so she is really cool. Um, and I don't think she even really got into it um, as much in this episode, but she really had a difficult transition out of the military. Like she really, really did. And um, when she landed outside of the military, she sort of was like a lot of us and went in the other direction as far as we could go from anything government, anything military. And and that included her pharmacy career. She Mm -hmm. went into corporate just like I did. She worked her way up just like I did. She had many setbacks just like I did. And she didn't really get into into that as much, which I was surprised when I interviewed her. But um, because I think... And I think you would agree with me that had she gone into more detail about the stuff that was harder, Mm -hmm. it would have showed how just even more amazing that it is that she's where she is now. Her arc is 
astounding. Yes, her hero's journey, her story yes. arc is even more incredible than what was even shared on the show. Yes. So, I mean, I'm not going to go into detail because obviously if she didn't share it, maybe she wasn't comfortable with it. She's but such I a classy just, lady. Yes. She's such a classy lady. Mm-hmm. So I just want to, to make that clear that, again, I saw her at her lows. I saw her when things didn't work out, like her marriage, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And we were, we have been there for each other. And, um, and just to see her, like I, re- I can recall when she was working at the college and she was debating about starting her own business. And I remember that, you know, she was afraid, yeah. but she took the plunge and yes. she did it. And she created something really, really amazing. And who knows, we may have an opportunity to work together in the near future. Remember when her name was on that textbook and how excited she was? Like, oh my her gosh. book. So, and, and she wrote the most amazing, uh, amazing dedication to me. And that book, it was so moving that I keep that book in a box, like protected. Like it is such a, it's treasured to me because, you know, I mean, and and it's a, it's a, it's a pharmacy textbook, but it's so treasured to me because my friend, she, I, I mean, all the late nights that I was like, you can do this, you can do this, keep going, you know, and I just helped her. the phone bill. And just, and like helping her get through that and, and seeing her finish that book and getting the, the hard copy, the hard print of that book was just such an amazing feeling. And I know it was amazing for her. It had that noise when you opened it, that, <laughs> that new book, the new book smell and Leanne's yeah, name was on there. It was, it was unbelievable. Uh-huh. And then for all of you that have written books or who, who have had friends that have written books, you totally understand what I'm talking about. It's just, you know, such a source of pride for you, mm-hmm. uh, for your friend. And especially when you know that there were times where, you know, we were not sure if we were going to eat. Mm-hmm. And then to see how far they've come. And then, and then it's also a testament to anyone who is struggling now that you can make it out of that. Oh, like yes. you can, if you keep going mm-hmm. and you keep pushing, then you, and you want to turn to change your life that you can. Cause life goes on. You might as well, you yeah. know, you just keep going. The I time mean, is going to pass. Yes, absolutely. That's what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think we should share from Leanne's episode? Oh my goodness. Um, anywhere from, Zero zero point one to fifty two <laughs> point zero zero. I, I mean, just dive in. But um, Leanne is such just she's such a remarkable individual. She's such a remarkable human. She's a remarkable woman of color. She is just remarkable. Yeah, and and I, I love her. I mean, I could be a little, you know, biased, but I mean, just for herself. I mean, she listened to the episode, listened to the snippet. She's She's pretty awesome. Yeah, she's great. And I will tell you, we were drinking wine when we, she actually was visiting me from Texas and we were drinking wine during this episode. And there was a lot of this that I didn't include because, well, it was inappropriate. (laughs) (laughs) No, but we, you know how girls get and it was like, like, oh my God, is this still recording? <laughs> right? Oh, like, no, we can't. We have, we have kids. <laughs> um, no, but she is really great. And there's so much um, wonderful input that she gave me. And I love that 
she's one of the people that have had a really good experience mm-hmm. in the military. And I, it's important to me that this podcast not be biased. And, you know, um, I'm really proud of my military service. And I know um, many, many veterans are. At what point did I come across as biased? <laughs> I don't know if I had told him that this is taken. <laughs> no, but I mean, like I have um, a lot of stories that are very serious mm-hmm. and they're heartbreaking and they're sad and they Ooh. might make people feel like, you know, the military is not a place for women, mm-hmm. but that's not the case. Many people have really good experiences and, um, and it, and I want to make sure that I reflect Mine that. wasn't great, but it was the best decision for me. Mm-hmm. It was the best decision I could have made. Yeah. I mean, I always say mine was really awesome till the day that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people can identify with that. Mm-hmm. But also I had a difficult transition out. And so some people might have a great experience in, but their transition out is what is so difficult. Mm-hmm. The point is every story matters. Yes. And so that is why this podcast exists in part. And well... Let's hear something from Leanne. Absolutely. And, you know, it's important to be part, to get to feel as though you're part of something that is greater than yourself. Mm -hmm. With, you know, I feel now as the mother of two teenagers Mm -hmm. and a preteen, you know, this generation can tend to be sort of self-consumed to some extent and being part of something where you're thinking of the collective good over individual good is, gosh, it's so important. And I think that every young person, if we were like some other countries where there was some kind of obligated service, I think it would be a really good thing. And so, um, I don't know. I just, even though there are aspects of it that, you know, I think that, bad things can happen and whatnot. I still think that by and large, I had a really positive experience. And if there was a young woman who wanted to consider the military, then I think it's a very viable option. It teaches you discipline. It teaches you, you know, especially in my vocation as a hospital corpsman, compassion. Um, you have the, the potential opportunity, certainly in a combat situation, What's important to note is while there can be, as you have detailed, a lot of difficulties and challenges sometimes with military life and the things that we have learned to accept as women, I will also say that it is so important and valuable to be a part of something that is greater than yourself. And I'm a firm believer that, you know, if there was some type of obligated service here in the United States to, to help young people maybe spend like two years, four years in the military. Oh my gosh, there's so much to be gained from just the discipline and having a routine, touching another person's life, um, being part of a collective effort. You build, oh my gosh, you build leadership skills, you build collaborative skills, you learn how to communicate effectively. If you're paying attention and you learn from your environment, you do learn to communicate and interact with people. Um, if you're traveling around the world, you have the ability 
if you're paying attention and you're choosing to grow, to gain intercultural confidence. Um, find out about other cultures. Find things to appreciate about the differences that exist um, across cultures. And my gosh, that's part of why I think what was just the beauty that shaded that experience is that I got to work with people from every walk of life. I really think Leanne nailed it when she was talking about how it is important for young people to be a part of something greater than themselves. And Absolutely. To, you know, yeah. And to have those experiences, you know, I, for one, didn't get to go around the world, but that yeah. would have been an amazing thing at my young age to see all these different cultures, you know, and get to interact on that level um, going um, on a ship that would have been awesome. That's actually why I joined the Navy because my recruiter was like, you're going to see the world and you won't even have to pay for it. And I saw Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) No, it wasn't exactly that for, for me. I wasn't really, when I was in thrilled about, you know, going to other places, I was trying to get, I had an agenda and we didn't get into it in my episode or whatever, but eventually we'll talk about, I had an agenda so I got placed right where I was supposed to be and where I wanted to be or whatever. But since being out and living life on my own and choosing to decide to live in different areas and the experience of being amongst other cultures and things like that, I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. You have to, you, it's, just, it's just so beneficial to be around others that are different from yourself and learn how they do things. Mm-hmm. to have a different perspective, just on life in general. I tell young people, and I still stand by this, I mean, uh, the military was great for me. It you know, gave me a life where there wasn't one. But if you have any doubts, then don't do it. If you want to do it, go right ahead. I mean, keep your head on your shoulders. Keep your head on a swivel. That's what you need to do. And speak up. Talk to people. Don't keep shit inside. There's just too, still too much of that going on. People keeping it feel like they have to. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that's a requirement, then question that. Mm-hmm. So why? Why? Why, do, why can't I talk about what's happening to me? But um, I think she does, you know, hit the nail on the head about young people and having it be some sort of requirement or just, just something that you, they have to do to give them a different perspective on adulthood, on life. Just, I don't know. I can't even, you know, process what I would have possibly had to deal with if I hadn't of um, left home, mm-hmm. what, what type of mindset and what only things I would be um, privy and open to still being in that little corner of the country in St. Louis in the mm-hmm. middle of nowhere, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Ka- Callie was talking about that a bit too. Mm-hmm. Like um, when she said she left her town and she got to boot camp, even just the experience of boot camp alone and meeting people, it was the same for me. Meeting people from New Orleans and California and from Texas mm-hmm. and Massachusetts and like just meeting all these different girls with different energies, with different accents, mm-hmm. with different jargon. Like it was just such a cool experience. Even that in and of itself was like a portal. It was like a gateway to a larger world. And I'm from Philadelphia. You know what I mean? But I'm the kind of girl that just didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. And when I went into the military, I was like, oh, okay. Like, there's so (laughs) (laughs) many. I'm like, there's so many other options of places where I could go try out. And I think I've been trying them out ever since. Mm -hmm. So um, the next episode is, oh, geez. 
The next ones are a two-parter. Um, it should have been a miniseries, actually. <laughs> I know I've seen some sort of Jackie Collins SVU mashup from the 80s about this. That Goodness. was crazy. Um, Christina, Christina, if you're listening, you know how much I love you. I love you so much. Um, Christina is my friend. I am honored and privileged to consider her and to be considered by her as a friend. This is emotional for me. It is hard for mm-hmm. me to talk about even now. It's hard for me to listen to those episodes because, um, because well, if you've listened to them, then you know that Christina has cancer mm-hmm. and that she doesn't have a lot of time left. And Christina is such an amazing human being and what she went through, no soul should have to endure well, she survived. She has survived. She has survived. And it, it's not just what happened to her while on active. It's what happened to her in the VA healthcare system that is poignantly painful for me. Just to know, and we all know that there's issues with VA healthcare. Mm-hmm. We know, we've heard of people dying. I mean, just yesterday, I read on, on a news feed that there's mysterious deaths in a VA hospital due to insulin injections. And I actually, uh, I'm going to look more into that story. But I mean, you can Google it, G- VA uh, suspicious deaths. I'm not surprised by anything with VA and... Death. The rest, the rest of it. Yes. I mean, for I mean, I've been out since 1997. It is 2020, and I've just now, this past week, have compression garments that fit. I meant to tell you how perfect they fit now. That's amazing. I mean, since 90, I've been out since 97, but I've been dealing with them trying to give me compression garments since what 96? Yes. And it's 2020, and I finally have proper fitting garments. So I'm not surprised by the VAs. Uh, debacle. So if you're kind of confused as to what she's talking about, you'll have to check out my very first episode, which Melanie was the guest on. Mm-hmm. And she talks about lymph lymphedema mm-hmm. and what that is. And a compression garment is used to support that. So that's what she's talking about. She has all this time and just trying to get the right, you know, prescribed fit for to help her swelling her inflammation and it's taken since 1996 so that's what we're talking about but now back to miss christina first of all to enlist because of 9 11 mm, so many people did oh my goodness and i remember that because it was at the point to where i there was nothing i could do i mean it's not like i could do anything anyway being medically discharged mm-hmm. but I was past past the enlistment time to be able to be called back in or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, but you or I what just have you done. just finished. Just, and I remember that. Done. And we, we were, it was kind of like a, but then there was part of us that was so angry. Mm-hmm. That was like, Oh, that's what y'all do. Oh, we playing <laughs> these types of games. Yeah, oh, that's what we're, we're going to blow up the trade center. I'm okay, like, okay, we need right. to take action. Okay, okay. Yeah, I definitely remember supporting the desire to take action for that. Really, mm-hmm. um, it was just it was just in our American nature. I right. think it just jumps out, doesn't mm-hmm. it? And I mean, everyone who you know was alive and old enough to remember remembers that. And um, I visited that place when I was a kid. It was an amazing field trip for me someplace I it was 
remarkable in my experience coming from the inner city before I went to private school to go to New York and see that and have that experience, you know, and it stood out in my memory. So when that happened, it was horrible. But you know what? I remembered a funny story, not quite funny, but kind of funny. After 9-11, I remember everyone was enlisting and you may or may not remember this, but we took a trip to St. Louis and we were out with a friend of yours. Shout out to Ava. She's listening. (laughs) And um, we went dancing and some guys came up to this. And I know all of our veteran sisters will be able to appreciate this story. Some guys came up to us and they were like, we're shipping off tomorrow. (laughs) They were like, we've joined the military. We're shipping off tomorrow. It's our last night. You want to party with us? And I'm like, we'll party with you, but that's about it. We're veterans, you know, (laughs) and they were, we danced with them and we hung out with them, but then they went home alone, but they really tried hard to use that angle initially to get us to agree to commit to spending the night with them. (laughs) But we did learn that our chicken head was on point. (laughs) Lois chicken head right there. Yes. Yes. One of the dancers. was that dance move. Yeah. So, um, I get that one. so yes. So I can, I'm sure you can appreciate the fact that we were the veterans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These young, young guys were trying to get us to, uh, spend the night with them and use their military service. It I was know. quite I'm a like, riot. We've used that. I've used <laughs> that quite a few times. You're lucky we don't use that on you. Right. <laughs> That's why you're over here in the first place, pretending you're about to join the Navy. I know, right? So anyway, but um, back to Christina. Um, Yes, she is an incredible human being. And her story, um, after she joins the military, like, first of all, she gets blown up. Oh my gosh. And she was in the, she was in the, well, she was in the convoy and, and with a bunch of, of um, groups, uh, a bunch of Humvees, you know, forming the convoy and they went in a different direction than another one, you know, how they do that strategically. And Jessica Lynch was in one of those and you may or may not remember what happened to her, but was horrible. And, um, and there was Christina. They could have, if things were reversed, it could have been her. And then she still ends up getting blown up. So she comes back from leave from that, you know, and there's, they're being mortared all the time. So there's that going on. I mean, it was just crazy. And then, and then she goes to a party. Oh gosh. Like she's a, she's a shy girl. She doesn't really do that. But the one time, she decides to go to a party. I just really how her her CEO tried to get her to not go though. Yeah, like that. you know what? Actually, I remember when she was talking about that, and I didn't want to interrupt because I was just like, I just want her to say it everything. But I just was like, did wondering, did he know something? Right. What did what? I I just that felt odd to me it felt odd for him to to say that and then for it to not insist and then for something as horrible as what did happen to happen and as it snowballed Mm -hmm. and it just seems so funny i mean yeah i felt weird about that like i'm like if he knew something maybe he should have just said no i don't 
don't go. This is what's going mm-hmm. on. I'm hearing these rumors. You know, not that that's what necessarily was happening, mm-hmm. but maybe I heard a rumor that this is happening around. So you, if you go, you need to be really careful or just don't go. Save yourself the trouble. I'm hearing bad stuff is going on out there. Like, you know, I don't know. It just, and who <laughs> she went with obviously never saw a pretty woman that, you know, we stick together. Call me when you're through. What was that? How did it go? You um, know, call take me, care of you. Something like that. Call me, call me when you're, take care of you. Call me when you're through. Or Something. Somebody knows. Said, I don't know. We no. come together. We leave together. That's and, our motto. Yes, totally. And I had some girlfriends that hated me for that. And I'm, some guys certainly thought that I was the cock blocker of hey, the group. It is but I'm like, you, you know, not, we come together. We leave together. You want right. to take her on a date, get her right. number and call her up. Like seriously. She'll get with you eventually. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Right. We're not, nah, no, we're leaving together because I don't want, and the one time I did let you leave with a guy, you were almost assaulted. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, it was a hard lesson. This episode just, it just, I just kept hearing the normalization of rape culture. It's Mm -hmm. just the assault of women, the degradation, the degradation of women, how they believe that they probably, or I presume that they believe that what we didn't do anything. We were all having at the time. He, like, Hey, what you want to do? No, no, let me take no, you here. No, like, what? no, 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 no. I mean, <laughs> like, no. Okay. So first of all, who else feels like the girl that invited her to the party with some type of lure? Mm. I don't know. I don't know. But it felt to me like that girl lured her to that party. She didn't know her that well. Hey, you want to come to a party and then disappear? No. Maybe, maybe the party just got going and she wanted to go hook up with somebody, whatever. But where's the communication at? I'm still not sipping on Iraqi Iraqi moonshine. And however, it looked like water. But why, why, why yeah. are we sharing water? I don't know. Well, We're I in mean, the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a situ- party. I can see. I can see we're passing around a bottle. Hey, I've been at parties where we passed around a bottle, but fortunately, how big of a sip though? It, well, but it's moonshine, and I've tasted moonshine before. It definitely tastes like gasoline, and it burns when it goes down. But I mean. The thing is, is here's something I love that she had one of those disposable cameras and she had been taking pictures. Mm -hmm. That was amazing. Mm -hmm. Second of all, she drinks this, she gets drunk. These guys offer to give her a ride and she, they give her a ride. But what I'm, what, what makes me so upset is, well, like she gets out to walk. She decides she's, you know, going to get out and they follow her and attack her physically. Like they beat her. Now I understand that she's six feet tall and she's a big woman. You know, I'm a big woman. I'm not six feet, but like I'm bigger than I'm just made bigger. Mm -hmm. And so two men brutally beat her, brutally beat her, assault her. She wakes up. If you haven't heard the episode, then you should go back and listen to it. Cause spoiler alert. She wakes up completely naked in a tent and there's like um like curtains like curtain dividers it's open bay it's completely open bay what they've just thank god they put up some dividers i mean she wakes up naked her clothes are all over the floor she has to try to find her clothes and leave out of there and go to the bathroom where she's beaten and assaulted by two men but the thing is is there are 10 other people there so they heard 
all of that going on, right? They're aware of what happened. And you know what? I don't care what anybody says. Those dudes that all shared that, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that was not their first go around at that. Oh, absolutely. Because they had a strategy. That's how I meant that the normalization, how they felt like they did nothing wrong. This is what we do all the time or whatever. We would just have drunk fun. I'm like, we beat you and we do it to you (laughs) really bad. And we send you, we we take you out to Denny's. Mm -mm. You know what I mean? The next day. Well, this is what's crazy. Okay, so... After all of that, skipping the details because you can go back and listen to the episode. After all that, they're like, hey, where do you want to go? Like, what world am I living in? But she says the hospital. And they take her. Not what you want a hospital for. This is a misunderstanding. We was kicking it. Don't you know? This is, no, they take her. I'm like, not sure if that's awesome or even worse. That like, I don't even know. They're like, okay, let's give her a ride to the hospital. Like, oh like she, and or stupid. Cause then she gets a rape kit done and everything like that. But the, the horrible thing about it is in like 24 hours time, she becomes the villain. Shamed. She, I mean, this is a classic victim shaming case. Ringing the bell down the street behind her. Shame. Yes. Shame. Yeah. Oh, game. Bogus. Yes. It, it was her own command, like completely betrayed her. I mean, she was bullied. She was harassed. She was victim shamed. She was turned into like a guilty person. She had friends turn their back on her. She was threatened that if she complained about the treatment she was getting by a superior offer, I mean, pushed up against the wall, physically assaulted again by a, a superior to keep her mouth shut about the treatment that she was getting. This is just disgusting. And then, and then, and then forced out of the military. She was so traumatized. She was afraid to shower. Uh, like she had one kind person take her so that she could shower. I didn't even see it as that. I saw them as kind of side shady, um, counseling her wow. about her hygiene and I then uh, escorting her. Really? I didn't see it that way. I, I don't know. But I was to listening it. to it during the SBU marathon and it just was going along with the theme. I mean, that's how I get through. I just was like, yes, I put I put it into the mind of an SBU and it's just that's when I was like, like the rape culture, the assault, the shaming. This is just unacceptable, the normalization of the degradation of women. And it has got to stop. I am so over it. I am so over it. It is horrifying. It's horrifying. I mean, and then, and then the like, women just going to beat you and then do it to you really oh bad my God. or whatever. And, and just take you out to eat. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's not like there were only men on that beast. Women were involved in this too. Oh, the whispers. And, and, and then you have, and then you have, so you have the rumor mill. I mean, she and I have talked privately and I don't, I don't think she mentioned it in this episode, Um, but they wrote her name and her email on a bathroom stall and she was getting harassed that way as well. Like it was that serious that, these things were happening to her. It's a, it's a wonder she's still with us. And, and, and then it's like, she survived that. Mm-hmm. She survived that. They put her out of the military, right? She goes home. She had a rough time. There was time where she was like homeless and struggling and having a hard time. She gets back on her feet, but the, the department of the army kind of burned her. They, they said that she 
they took away her service. Like they like erased it. I know. And it's the goombas. It's the mob. It's so crazy. And so she couldn't get services. She couldn't get, you know, healthcare. She couldn't get anything when she, any sort of benefits. And she spent years fighting for that, fighting for that, you know, and in order, and then she finally gets that. Okay. Wait, 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 let me, I'm jumping ahead. I'm jumping ahead. I'm jumping ahead. Let's, let's back up. Let's back up and talk about the drink that they gave her at that party. Iraqi moonshine. So I don't think that it was just moonshine. In fact, I thought that maybe they put GHB in it, which I automatically thought that before she was like, when she was like, they were passing something around. I'm like, don't drink that. Yeah. I got really nervous too, but you think you're with other military and you think that you're safe. Yes. Right? We would have drank anything the guys passed us no, because they're the guys. That's right. And but they, would, they look out for us. They yeah, looked we out were for us. lucky. Yes, totally. But not everyone is that lucky. Because I was in a bad place when I arrived to my duty station, and they took me under their wing immediately. Yeah. Immediately. So imagine if somebody we thought we could trust. I mean, look at KJ's episode in season one. You guys mm-hmm. remember KJ. KJ was the one who uh, talked about ketamine infusion therapy. Mm-hmm. Deep friend of the pod. That's right. She'll be back again. We're going to catch up with what she's doing. Um, but she, first of all, she dated a guy who ended up to be a serial rapist. Ugh. So that's number one. Okay. So, and, and then and she had to go and testify against him. After she was deployed, had a crush on a guy, and then the guy was always refusing her advances, and then one day was like, hey, you want to go hook up? I know a place where we can go. And she's like, yeah. So this is like completely different, right? Mm -hmm. Like, this is not what you think is going to happen. You're like, okay, yeah, I'm going to hook up with this guy that I like. I've, I've had a crush on him for like months. You go to go hook up with this guy, completely consensual. And he turns on you and does a foul rape, turns it into an abusive Ugh. rape scene. That's so gross. And so to the point, and she describes it in detail, to the point where she's physically damaged for the rest of her life. And that was someone she knew and trusted. So like I say all the time, we were lucky. We were very lucky. But let's talk about what Christina was given to drink. Let's hear it in Christina's own words, how she found out what was likely the cocktail that she was given. He told me where to go. And I found the recipe online. Shit. Combined head injury and that kind of chemical composition mm-hmm. it causes blackouts so i was like okay and so it had been going around that soldiers were using ketamine ketamine is also used in a deployment zone but it's also used for horses right and so they were using things like that to taint liquid mm-hmm. and i re- i remember that girl, she freaking left me. She just left me there. And I remember getting in the back of a Humvee. And I remember the man who would later be my attacker. He was next to me, sitting in the back of the Humvee. There was sound equipment in the back. And then it rode not even very far, and I got out, and I started walking. And at some point, um, yeah, 
they, it was two of them. So, like I said, she thinks it was a cocktail with ketamine. And um, I'm not surprised, actually. Yeah, because it's a tranquilizer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and mixed with the alcohol, they're lucky they didn't kill her, you know? And the thing about this first episode, too, that really gets me is the whole, um, what I feel is kind of a cover-up, right? I feel like um, she... So there's the mayors and they're in charge of that, that area mm-hmm. and they oversee everything. And so this woman who is, I think she's now a Senator or something like that, but she was in charge at that time. She also came out a few years ago with her own assault story, mm-hmm. but she was in charge of this area and she went in and spoke to these guys. Um, when, when, um, NCIS was going to go in and question them, she went in first. So and I like how you're like, um, this is a conflict of interest. She, she definitely recruits herself. Mm-hmm. And as far as the normalcy of the criminal court justice system and how she, she laughed and was like, okay, normal, the army, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like this chick goes in and, for all we know, organize them into their statements, mm-hmm. you know? Into their story. Yeah, because, I mean, there's 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 12 guys, I guess. 10 guys, I, I think it was, that were in that open bay quarters that actually saw her leave mm-hmm. and all of that and and probably heard what was going on. Now, she was uncon- unconscious, mm-hmm. so who knows if she was making any noise or whatever. Right. But that had to seem weird. Who knows if they were in on it either? Yeah, they, they had to go. I yeah, don't know why that they right. didn't. Like, they could have all... We don't know what happened, but I'm these like, guys... On. Right, like, and from the way her pain was and everything. So we don't know what happened. The doctor said, like, the doctor was taken aback? Yes. Like, we... As a healthcare professional, we're trained to not have any type of reaction mm-hmm. to anything to protect the patient and the modesty and, and their sanity and just their, their feelings to protect them in general. And for him to be like, like, <gasps> like a gas, a guffaw, if you will, you know, not a guffaw. That's not humorous. Right. Mm-hmm. But like he was a guest. Yeah. It was obvious. Yeah. He was obviously really disturbed by what he found Mm -hmm. and 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 it's so upsetting you know so i mean that whole part of it and the investigation and the way they turned it around on her was just like it it happened so fast too and just everything that happened to her up to that and then she's out and she starts getting sick and she has to fight to even be and get any va health care we know about that and they they finally give her you know, uh, healthcare, mm-hmm. like a here, 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 right. But only, only for the assault. Mm-hmm. And when the other issues start showing up, so quickly, I'm going to talk about burn pits because this is an issue that is really close to my heart right now <sighs> and will be, um, because this is her issue and I am picking up the mantle for her. No matter what happens, I'm going to support her in this fight against burn pits Mm -hmm. what do the mass public does not understand or maybe even know about is that um things are constantly being burned over there in the desert there are these pits where they burn feces and garbage and it's constantly burning um of things and so when all of these things are burning 
of course, chemicals are being released uh, into the air. Being, uh, so uh, the people, our servicemen and women who are over there breathing. are breathing it in. The, exactly. The civilians are breathing it. The children, the, oh, the people the like for like Balad in Iraq, um, the children, everyone is breathing this in. Not only is it bad for the environment, but it's bad for our human bodies, right? Mm, and so there is now an existing burn pit registry. But as you all know, if any one of us who had to fight for our disability, who had to fight for proper treatment through the VA system understands the denials, mm-hmm. okay? And, and the hiding of the facts and ignoring your situation. And so, so many of our brothers and sisters are fighting right now, today, to be recognized because of illnesses that they acquired. You guys remember Agent Orange. Oh. And um, what was that? There was something else that came up during desert storm that was a mysterious illness. Actually my aunt who was serving um, that she ended her career just after that because she got that illness. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. Why do I keep saying black lung, but that's not it. That's not it. But like, so we know that illnesses come mysterious illnesses come. I acquired my illnesses mysteriously. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. From one day to the next. So, um, So these burn pits are hazardous and our brothers and sisters are fighting to be recognized and they fought for a long time to get this registry. And from what I'm hearing, you can, um, you can, if in these episodes, there's a lot of links, you can educate yourself and others by looking at these links and learning more about burn pits and what they're doing to our brothers and sisters. And if you served in an area where there was a burn pit and you are finding yourself to be ill, you need to get on the registry. But I'm hearing that the registry is a joke. More needs to be done. And right now, Christina is working to get legislation passed to help our veteran brothers and sisters. So please join in that fight, our fight, to get that moving and happening and have something done because more and more people are going to start showing up with these illnesses Mm -hmm. like she has that turn into cancer at some point and are fatal. Mm -hmm. So we... This is just another thing, just another fight that we have to prevent from happening. Use the Especially hashtag as ignorant as we are as a community or just as a people in general about cancer and what causes cancer mm-hmm. and where it comes still from. Learning. And still, yes, and, and, and it's just really, really hard in that situation to be preventative. And the best mm-hmm. way is just mm-hmm. not. So in Christina's case, right, she goes to the VA and they keep telling her it's this, it's that. They give her this medicine, they give her that medicine. Oh, Once she finally fights long enough to actually get VA medical care, right? So she finally gets it. When she gets it, she she starts getting misdiagnosed after misdiagnosed. And, um, and then she goes out and she gets outside opinions and they come back. She goes even to the Mayo Clinic, which is everybody knows the Mayo Clinic is top of the line. And the VA says that they won't recognize the findings, the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for her family, it was incredibly frustrating. And it was really frustrating for me to listen to and hear what she was going through. So this is a bit of it in Christina's own words. Wow. And the VA still denied it in 2012. And that's fine. Denial after denial. My husband felt like the VA was going to end up killing me faster. And because I was getting worse. 
like so much worse. Like Shauna took a picture of me, and when I feel really, really poorly, you see the color of my face. It turns white, like mm-hmm. albino white. Mm-hmm. And my feet swell, my arm hurts. If I try to take a deep breath, like I had pain shooting across my chest. So we went to Mayo Clinic. Mayo Clinic's, yeah, you don't have asthma. You have damage to your lungs from the burn pits and the carcinogenics you inhaled while you were in Iraq. They did did the whole workup. They found antibodies to stuff that I could only have gotten when I deployed. The VA missed it. So then my pulmonary function test continued to decline. I did quit smoking for like six months, like they suggested. When I went back, my diffusion capacity was sitting at 40%. So 60% of the oxygen that should be flowing through my body is not there. Your diffusion capacity in your lungs is how well. So when you breathe in, oxygen in. When you breathe out, it's a carbon monoxide. When the diffusion capacity is messed up, it stays in the lungs. It's not being pushed out. So you have a carbon monoxide buildup in your lungs? Pretty much. So, so I went back to the VA and I'm like, this, this is what Mayo Clinic said. You have those, well, they're really, oh my gosh. So, yeah, you have to have self-control because they obviously don't. Mm-hmm. And so John's like, yeah, they're stupid. And so I kept complaining. I kept complaining, and I'm like, they're killing me. I had brain simulations. I had this. They're not treating me. They don't know when it happened. The VA took my health care away. Now they're blaming me. So, so wow. again, you see a trend here. Again, they're blaming her. Mm-hmm. Again, blaming the survivor. Blaming her, telling her she had asthma, telling her, you know, it's her fault. Like she couldn't get her health care. And then the VA gets mad at her, right? I can't handle it. It's just, just, it's so disheartening. Then they don't want to treat her. And there was actually a cover up at the VA because of some medical records. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then it just keeps getting worse. I'm not going to go through the entire episode because it's so heartbreaking and it's so upsetting, but I'll just never forget as long as I live. And it's why I named the episode the way I did, because she said to me, am I going to die? Because they called me a liar. Like she has kids. She has a husband that loves her. She has a beautiful family and now her trachea is collapsing. That's why she said, like, if you listen to her, it almost sounds like she's kind of oddly soft spoken. Mm-hmm. It's because of that. Mm-hmm. Like it was hard for her to do this interview. Mm-hmm. We talked for hours, you know, and, um, she came in to fight. She came in to kick ass. She came in to help nine mm-hmm. 11 drove her to help. Mm-hmm. and look to serve to serve absolutely to serve her country to serve fell her fellow man mm-hmm. like the most majority of us yes. you know what i mean and it's just to be let down and disappointed like the majority of us but to that degree 
-hmm. and to constantly have to fight each day. I mean, she's been fighting for what, 20 years? I mean, but as have you. Yeah. I mean, as have so many of us, Mm -hmm. you know, but you know what? I'm sick. Yes. And I live with illnesses. Yes. But I live with illnesses. This woman her life was cut short. They are killing her. They've killed her. True. It is, it's a matter of time. When her trachea collapses, that's it. And we don't know when that was, is going to be. She should be in hospice now. Totally. It is a miracle every day that she is on this earth. And it's a gift. She's remarkable. So support oh my. the burn pit fight. Yes. Hashtag burn pit. And um, let's eradicate them. Let's, let's. Something has to be done. And I was not aware of the degree. Remember, I thought burn pits was just burning tires. Mm-hmm. I didn't, it didn't, I couldn't process that. You burn everything. Mm-hmm. This is just burn it. Put it yeah. over in there. Human waste, everything. Just disgust. Yeah. So that's, that's really, really upsetting to me. And that story is really close to my heart. And if you haven't heard it, please listen to it. Please like, share. Um, and tell everyone, you know, to check it out. Um, and listen, get energy out and, yeah. and to her family, to yeah. her, send to, out some good to, energy, to pray for us, her, actually, whatever you do. <laughs> any veteran that, you know, homeless are mm-hmm. thriving, you know, just, just out there because you know, that's, a, that's a special class that joining the military is, a, it's a special uh, graduating class is a different class of people. It's just a different community. Mm-hmm. And um, in order in, to do that, it leaves an impression on you. I mean, I still take those lessons, as Leanne was saying, into my life and my job to this day. Mm-hmm. I still apply those things that I learned from the military. And, and to be honest, a lot of times I feel that's the best. Mm-hmm. That's how we should be doing things, however. Mm-hmm. But there are things that have happened that I make sure that if I see anything that's remotely, oh, that's not right. Mm-hmm. That's not cool. Yeah, so We're not going to do that. Yeah. So, yes, absolutely. I think we all have to do that. And like you said, whether you're homeless or you, if you know a veteran or you or within our veteran community, whether it be homeless veterans or thriving veterans, mm-hmm. you know, all of us you know, send good energy out. 1% veterans, if prayers. there are any out there, I don't know. Yeah. So, um, I think we just all stick together. That's why this, stick this, the female veteran podcast and Fembots Unite. I don't know. I'll <laughs> keep, come up with something. Keep working on it. Keep working on it. Okay. So we're finally at the season finale. What? And I love to leave the season on a positive note. Oh, you can't get more positive than a A-list actress. Yes. Um, <laughs> actually, I'm going to say something about Jennifer Marshall. Okay. She's so cool. <laughs> like, I loved her legitimately. If you're listening to Jennifer or listening, Jennifer, I love you, girl. You are so awesome. Like, you are such a cool girl. I mean, I felt like after talking to her for the interview that if we had been stationed on the same ship or the same shore command, we would have been, she would have been in our crew. Like, she would have been hanging out with us. She's so fun and cool and has such a good sense of humor. I got a I dance vibe from her. <laughs> 
want to dance by. <laughs> she, she seems fun. Okay, and um, and I'm hoping to and connect with her soon. Vibe too. Like yeah, she's beautiful. You know? Oh my gosh, she's. I mean, not that so that's gorgeous. important. It's just that we had a fair share of attractive friends. We oh my did. god, are you? Yeah. Everyone's attractive when they're twenty. Um, so, so anyway, um, Jennifer's episode. Let's get into that. Before I continue, I want to thank Melanie for coming through. She had to run, and um, she won't get to finish um, the season finale with me. But thank you, Melanie, for coming through and discussing the season with me. We'll do it again next time at the end of season three. But um, back to Jennifer Marshall. So this finale episode was amazing. Um, Jennifer, as I mentioned, was on Stranger Things and a plethora of other TV shows and movies. And she is um, brilliant. In addition, she is the host of the CW's Mysteries Decoded. And um, she was really fun to talk to. I guess you can get the picture of that from me saying it so much. Um, but I did enjoy the interview. So uh, Jennifer, she started in a small town and she left to the military and wanted to go on a ship. She campaigned to get on the USS Roosevelt and she did that. Um, and she worked in supply and was really effective at her job. Her story was um, surprising to me because I did expect her to have a really, um, really positive story, but I was surprised to find out that um, the anthrax vaccination was uh, what was the cause of her to get out of the military. I did not know that. It was interesting to me because I was really scared to take that vaccination. I did not want to take it. I thought, oh my God, I'm going to become a conscientious objector. I do not want to take this um, vaccination. I don't know what it was about it, but for some reason I just didn't want it. And I know that it was meant to protect us, but I just, I don't know. I think it was because I was already sick and I didn't know how I had gotten sick and I suspected it might've been from vaccinations. So another one was like, I don't want to do that. So uh, when I found out that Jennifer took the vaccination for anthrax and then began to get sicker and sicker and sicker, and then how she was treated, like she was a malinger, she was always in sick call, like it just, it, it resonated with me because when I got sick, I was always in sicking quarters and sick call always getting set home because I had mono or some other illness that prevented me from being able to do my job. And I loved, loved my job in the pharmacy. It was heaven. And I worked with amazing people at Naval Hospital Great Lakes. Shout out to anyone who may be listening, especially Melinda Scruggs. Melinda Scruggs was an amazing leader. She was a first class petty officer and she ran that pharmacy as a very tiny woman. She had a big personality and, and she was absolutely amazing. And I um, really enjoyed working with her and for her. It was a high honor to be a part of that pharmacy crew. So anyway, um, talking to Jennifer was really interesting to find out how she uh, went from 
um, this exciting, I'm going to run the Navy type of energetic young woman to someone who was really, really ill. And I personally identified with that because I had so much energy. My friends used to call me the energizer bunny. (laughs) I was nonstop. I was really nonstop. And I know when we're 20, we're all nonstop, but can you imagine other 20 year olds calling you the energizer bunny? Like you had more energy than them. And then just one day you have no energy and that's going to go on for the very rest of your life, the entire rest of it. So I understand, um, just going from being healthy and young and vibrant to miserably unwell and having to um, visit the doctor all the time. And thank God she realized that it was the vaccination. So after that, she uh, got out and um, slowly began to pursue a career in acting, which has been incredible. As a veteran who is working in Hollywood, even experiences some difficulties when people just presume that she's conservative, Um, whether she is or she isn't, you know, uh, I really feel like that shouldn't be an issue when it comes to doing your job, right? We don't have to have the same beliefs and values to be kind to each other or to do our job efficiently, right? So uh, let's hear Jennifer talk a little bit about her experience as an actress and a veteran working in one of the most difficult towns to succeed in, Hollywood. I can definitely understand why it's important for you to show who we really are. It's, it's very important. And, you know, I won't get too much into politics, but I will say that there's kind of this thought process that all veterans are, you know, very right wing and Hollywood is very left wing. So, and actually veterans here, we run the spectrum, conservative, libertarian, liberal, but it, it does us a disservice when the thought is we're all right wing because then people are less likely to bring us in. And I try to explain to them, you know, generally, you know, veterans, they don't talk politics on set. They go on, they do what they're supposed to do and they go home. And as long as no one's talking politics on set, there shouldn't be any stigma against that. And the assumption shouldn't be made that all veterans are are right wing, especially veterans who are actors. They tend to be a little more, um, you know, artsy fartsy types. And so (laughs) I always tell them, you know, just because somebody's a veteran that does not in, in Hollywood, that doesn't mean you can ascertain their political status, nor should you try to, because it has nothing to do with with anything. As long as somebody goes on set and they perform, then that's, you know, all that needs to happen. And I just don't want that unfair judgment put out there. I'll say again, like I said in that episode, I'm old school. I don't talk politics if I can help it. um, Because I think that it's more important for people to um, try to get along. And my experience has been that if you go extremely left or extremely right, then that relationship is going to be sour, like immediately. In fact, I had a recent experience with a gentleman who I was getting along with, an older gentleman. He was really fun. He was nice. And then he started talking about climate change. And I have a different opinion on climate change than he does. And he was very, very mad. And it just soured the entire um 
rest of our experience together. I mean, he just did not want to talk to me anymore. And I was still open to the connection, but he wasn't. And I mean, it wasn't like we were going to be best friends or we were going to know each other forever, but it was a day that we were in the same environment and we had been having a lovely time. So it was sad for me to see. So I try to, um, you know, I don't try to change anyone's mind. Um, if we, if I happen to get into a discussion about politics with someone, then of course I share my views, but if I can help it in a social situation, I try to avoid it because I want to get to know the person. And, and it's funny because nowadays politics can make you really averse to someone really, really quickly. So anyways, Jennifer was an awesome guest and thank you so much again for coming. And I am looking forward to connecting with her uh, in the future and maybe working together on some veterans issues. And um, that was a really amazing episode to hear her story and how she got into acting and about her video game and all of that stuff. So it was a high honor for me to have such a lovely person come and be a part of the show. In fact, it is a high honor for me to have every single guest come and be a part of my journey and help me to um, end the culture of silence around female service members, military experiences. And with that, we're going to wrap up season two. It's a wrap, you guys. Thank you so much for coming on this journey with me. I appreciate every minute that you spend listening to this I appreciate every minute that you spend listening to this show. I value you so much and I appreciate you so, so very much. Thank you for listening. I love you guys and I'll talk to you in season three.